Welcome to our exchanges at Goldman Sachs Markets Update for Friday, September 18th. Each week, we check in with a leader across the firm to get a quick take on what they're watching in markets. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm. And joining us today is one of our most frequent guests, a fan favorite, Tony Pascarello of our Global Markets Division. Tony, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Jake. Good to be with you. After a big run-up in stock markets since March, September seen a lot of turbulence. Give us some quick numbers to understand how some of the major stock market indices have come off from the August highs. Sure. And yes, there's been some retracement in the major equity indices in the first three weeks of September. So for example, the NASDAQ's down around 6% from the end of August. S&P's down about half of that. And you've seen some pressure in some of the more popular stocks who have been fan favorites with both the retail and the professional trading community. So for example, the Fang Man cohort, if you will, which is Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Microsoft, Apple, and NVIDIA, that group of stocks is down the better part of 8% since the end of August. That said, there's some pockets of strength in the month for sure. So for example, in the non-dollar markets, most of the major international indices that we track are higher from the end of August. Eurostox Index, Japan's Nikkei, the emerging markets more broadly, they've all performed comparatively pretty well. And I should say, Jake, let's not forget that August was a totally scorching month for the US markets. For example, NASDAQ was up over 11% in the month alone. And this is an index which has essentially just doubled since the end of 2018. So I don't think we should get too worked up about the turbulence we've encountered in September, just given the astonishing run that preceded it. Fair enough. Do you attribute the recent downward price action to technicals, fundamentals, a little bit of both? And just describe for us some of the factors that are play and should we read too much into this as it regards the longer outterm outlook for stocks? I tend to think the majority of this local pressure has been more technical in nature than anything else. And there's a couple of things to note on this front. One, you've had a very heavy calendar of new issue in recent months in the form of IPOs and follow-on offerings. In fact, new issue via equity and then equity-linked offerings is up over 75% year-on-year. And these deals have probably gone very, very well, but it's been a significant amount of paper that PMs need to make room for. At the same time, months like July and August saw historic volumes in the single-stock options market and a retail demand for risk that was significant and very well documented, that seems to have cooled down a bit since then. So it's not unreasonable the market's consolidating a bit up here, particularly when you consider that on the fundamental side, the latest fiscal negotiation feels a bit stalled. And you know, look, we have some real event risk just around the corner. I think bigger picture away from technicals, and again, more on the fundamental side, with respect for how far the markets come off the March lows, And given that, again, we have some wood to chop between now and the end of the year, I tend to think the big dynamics in the game as it relates to monetary policy and global growth remain very friendly and that in the end, we're still believers the stimulus should long outlast the pandemic. You talk to a lot of very sophisticated investors at current price levels with a little bit of the retracement, as you said. Do the folks that you're talking to think stocks still look expensive or are they starting to capitalize on what might be a slightly more normalized price? I'd say this. On most any of the traditional valuation metrics for stocks, the market's still expensive. So if we look at price to earnings ratios, price to book ratios, 
enterprise value to sales ratios, all of these metrics are in the 90th percentile or higher relative to their own history. The one big exception to this, of course, is still any comparison to the bond market. And I know I'm not breaking news when I say this, but global fixed income yields have collapsed in the recent era. So for example, US government bond yields in real terms are now negative across the entire curve. And so when you compare the earnings yield of the S&P to something like the available yield in the US treasury market or the high-grade investment bond market, that analysis looks much less demanding and would suggest that stocks are still cheap, at least relative to the bond market. So when we last spoke, you thought investors were pretty optimistic about the likelihood of a a relatively near-term COVID-19 vaccine. Has that sentiment changed and has that affected investors' willingness to put on more risk? What's the view on the vaccine or the probability of a medical breakthrough here in mid-September? Sure. So I think the vaccine variable obviously still looms very large in the market equation. And there's been this kind of daily stream of headlines that help calibrate the expectation around the timing of approval and then also both the timing and the scale of delivery. My sense is the market still has relatively high expectations here, such that the base case, it seems consistent with what the base case from our own research team would be, which is we'll have at least one vaccine approval by the end of the year. And then by the end of the second quarter next year, it's been delivered in scale into the broader population. Now, it's only one variable in that trading equation. And again, the election also looms very large alongside the kind of traditional macro variables like the trajectory of growth and the contours of policy, both on the fiscal side and the monetary side. But again, it's certainly a topic where investors are still very engaged. And again, we're generally hopeful that we're closer and closer to those hopes being realized. All right. Tony, thanks for uh, catching up with us today. Uh, It's always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks, Jake. That's all for this week's Markets Update on Exchanges at Goldman Sachs. And in case you missed it, check out our earlier episode this week where we talked to some of the summer interns from the class of 2020 who enjoyed the first ever historic virtual summer internship. And we also went through a survey with the interns on how they felt about that experience and how they feel about life in COVID more generally. Thanks for listening and hope everyone has a great weekend. This podcast was recorded on the afternoon of Wednesday, September 16th in the year 2020. Thanks for listening. All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or a recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the listener. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.